0: You're listening to the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. This is the 2010 Redraftables, which we did as part of a big summer of 2010 podcast that Ryan Rossillo and I did. My name is Bill Simmons. This is the Book of Basketball. I oh, like Shaq, Kobe's gonna attack. <laughs> Blair, she's a three quad's playing that D. LeBron hits him with that steal and you already feel... Pass it to Luke, yeah. He's gonna juke, yeah, yeah. It's a book of
1: basketball,
0: yeah. It's a book of basketball, yeah. It's a book of basketball, yeah. It's a book of basketball, yeah. So we're gonna do the 2010 Redraftables. You know, we talk about the bad drafts, the 2000, you know, uh we, we did the 2006 one. It was really bad. 2010. Doesn't get enough credit for being a horrific draft. it did end up uh four really talented guys John wall Demarcus cousins Gordon Hayward, Paul George and yet, what do those four guys have in common? They all had devastating injuries, all four of them. Paul George breaks his leg in the team u s a game he basically misses a year and a half. Hayward breaks his ankle first Celtics game, basically done for two years um cousins finally finds a good basketball situation. New Orleans playing with Anthony Davis blows out his ACL. And then John Wall, right when it seemed like he had a chance to put together a really fun career as a meaningful guard, his knees start going on him and he, and now he's probably the worst contract in the league. That's my takeaway. When I look at this draft, it's kind of weird. It's like an injury. What if draft, what do you think?
1: It's bad. It's way worse. Like I hadn't looked at it in a while. And you're going through it and you go, This is going to get ugly here at the end. You know, you're just going to be taking guys. I mean, some of the metrics um on this, like Bielis is a top fifteen in in some of the advanced stats for this right. class. I mean, yeah. it's it's ridiculous like what you're looking at here at the end. Gravis Vasquez ends up having one of the better careers and he was seven years in the league. And I wasn't even sure if he was going to go in the first round and he went at the end of the first round. So there's that part. And then you know, it's it's a real big miss with favors, who I thought had star potential. Um, Evan Turner is really interesting because I liked him so much until everybody else liked him. Like he was somebody to go. Hey, Evan Turner needs to be higher, and you're like, wait, two? <laughs> okay, maybe right. maybe that's so. You go from like liking someone because no one's on him to then not liking him as much because everyone feels like they're on them. But Wall is. You know, I'm not trying to give away the lead here, but as bad as the contract is, as bad as the injury is, I don't know that he can fall be- below two in a redraft for this class. I don't I don't think he can. And I'd like to still point out that when Wall was right, Wall had that one year where he was a top 10 player in his league. Now, he may not have been that just because I think sometimes we're doing those things, top five, top 10, there's a bit more of a stature to it. It's more than just that season. But in that one season, he was an awesome basketball player. So the injury derails who he is now, but I'm not going to like write off the fact that he's actually had really good versions of himself too. It's one of those
0: drafts where you just look at it and you go, I wish everybody had taken a different guy after the John wall pick, right? Evan Turner goes second, but he goes to Philly. And at that point, they already have drew holiday. Lou Williams is there. Doug Collins is there. It's just the wrong team. It's, you know, I think he's one of those rare guys you almost was should gone to a bad team. So you look at like Jersey's at three, they take favors. Even if Philly takes favors at two and Jersey takes Evan Turner at three, I'm probably, I think both of their careers are better, you know? And then maybe Evan Turner gets thrown in the Darren Williams trade, et cetera, et cetera. Um, cousins goes to Sacramento where you don't want to go. Gets to put Tyreek Evans on probably the worst run team of the last 15 years. Even if Minnesota had taken him at four, they take Wesley Johnson instead. At least then you get the cousins, Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio. Like, I don't know. They're, it's it's kind of fun. Um, and then you go down to Hayward and George go nine and ten. Utah takes Hayward at nine, George takes Indiana at 10. You the Clippers could have just taken either of those guys at eight, and they already had Blake Griffin. They already had DeAndre. They're a year away from a Chris Paul trade. They have Eric Gordon, and it was they actually needed a swing guy. It's just they took the wrong one. They took Alferico Minu over Hayward and George, and Hayward was at the very least, if you watched him in college, like all right, that guy's at least 15 a game in college, and and could shoot a little bit. So um, I I just look at this and I'm like, man, this is a fun one where you just move the names around and everybody's happy.
1: It's, it's crazy. Like the Paul George going this late wasn't that crazy because he, he no, floated, not the he, he floated yeah. and all, all of his tape, if you watch it, it wasn't all great. You know, um, I do give a ton of credit to John Hollinger. I think Hollinger was like the first guy ever that was like, this guy's going to be an all star. And I was just like, wait, really? Like, I, and I, he had been in the league at that point. So that wasn't before the draft. But even Hayward, Hayward had this weird thing where his two years, like his last year at Butler, he didn't shoot the ball that well. But he shot it pretty well the year before that. And that's one of those things where did you get a little too caught up in the fact that, like, hey, how come this guy's supposed to be this outside shooter and his three-point shooting numbers were pretty bad? But right. it was just kind of a fluky, like, hey, he can shoot. He had a bad number or bad year number wise. So don't worry about it. But him going that late, um, and you know, I much are gonna dump on him now because of everything that's happened the last couple of years, but that seems kind of impossible for a guy that just looked like he had all of these skills. And the size to go along with it, and it won at a high level in college for a team like Butler.
0: I took a big loss in this draft in the draft diary. I I was outraged that Indiana took Paul George over Xavier Henry. Oh. It's one of my eight or nine worst ones. Cause I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, door number A, Xavier Henry, who was like the best high school recruit a year ago and was pretty good in college, versus this Paul George guy who's Floating around in Fresno State, and it's like, really, you're, you're not taking Henry, so couldn't have missed that one more. I did love I love the cousins as the upside pick though. I wrote in the draft diary, started to spend so much time on cousins, but he's the most important 2010 rookie. If he makes it, a big if. If he makes it, that's the home run pick. You can count the impact under 30 bigs like cousins. On one hand, I mean Andrew Bogat made an NBA team last season, and he fell to five. And it was all because people were worried about his personality. It was the rare, it wasn't like a Sean Williams thing or some of those other guys where it's like, oh, that guy's had some real issues. It was completely 100% teams worried about his personality. And now you look back and you think like, he definitely should have been one of the top three picks. But at the same time, you the concerns were valid because he had a lot of issues in Sacramento. And I don't know, how do you feel about that part?
1: cousins i would have a no cousins rule if i were a gm and I you're, may, you're out
0: you're blind blind yeah out.
1: i just i wouldn't draft him in the redraftables i've watched enough of those sacramento games that you know the weird thing is his whole career has been put on hold here for like two years so you don't really know what to make of him or where he's going to be the rest of the way um you know you hope whatever version of this is when he comes back he, he'd be able to turn it around but i've just I don't. I don't know. Like to me, there's there's two there's two versions of basketball people. Those that look at Cousin's stats and say he's awesome was in a bad situation and he's really really great. And then there's people that know what they're talking about. <laughs> they see his stats, but they watch the things he does in a game. And this is all the Sacramento stuff, um, and a little bit with New Orleans too, where throughout the game he is he makes losing plays. He just. He can put up 20 and 10. His passing is incredible. He can stretch the floor for a big guy, but there's all of these little things that he does in there where he, he lets himself get taken out of a game emotionally quicker than any basketball player I've ever seen. So I, I don't care what his numbers are. I've done this rant before. um, So it's not new for some of you, but I just, I would have a hard time having a guy like that be the focal point of my team. Maybe now as a role guy, as he's older and coming off these injuries, and it's it's not as big of a deal but when it, when he was younger and he is putting up all these numbers but there's no accountability and he's run through a million coaches uh you know I, it just it was not something i was a fan of
0: i'm going to save my thoughts on him for when he comes up in the draft now you
1: can take him 13th or 14th
0: yeah, I'll, just, I'll just dash him for later um, we also this is a draft that had Larry Sanders, Jeremy Lin and Hassan Whiteside this Hassan a, Whiteside
1: said he was the best player in a draft. Well, he was wrong.
0: <laughs> this is a draft I wrote uh, in the draft diary. Our first four GMs on the clock, Ernie Grunfeld, Ed Stefanski, Rod Thorne, David Kahn, or as they're better known, Mount Dunsmore. It's really like an incredible quartet to start an NBA draft. All four of those guys, I'm not sure they worked again after this. This also had Kahn taking Wes Johnson, who was 23, 23 years old on the, at the draft, over Cousins. Um, he had averaged 16 points a game as a 22-year-old junior. And the irony of it is whether that was the right pick or not going smaller versus taking Cousins, he ends up taking Wes Johnson over two guys coming after who are both going to go in the top four of our, uh, our redrafts. So that happened. Um, John Thompson did this draft. He defended Cousins as a top five pick by saying, quote, you can calm down a fool before you can resurrect a corpse. I'm going to read that to you again. Yeah. You can calm down a fool before you can resurrect a corpse. This was his defense of DeMarcus Cousins going (laughs) in the top five. He was defending him. So that was, I think, the only time... The word fool has ever been used to defend somebody as a top five pick. And then uh, the ESPN graphics guy gave Cousins, quote, must improve maturity. I would say we still might be there with that. Um, John Wall is the number one pick. I wrote at the time, on the coming into the league can't miss point guard scale, I have Wall ranked behind 94 Jason Kidd and 08 Derrick Rose. But head of 05, Darren Williams, who's really good. I got to say, that was a pretty accurate analysis, right? He, I think he was never going to be Jason Kidd or anybody on that level, but he had a chance to be a very good point guard, which is what he became before he got hurt.
1: Does that include Chris Paul? Like, are you saying he's better than the You just didn't name him in your. I
0: didn't going? name Chris Paul. I, okay. To me, Chris Paul, Jason Kidd are like on that high level coming. When they were coming to the league, I was like, I bet my life those guys are going to be good. I would say that's the highest level.
1: You yeah, know, we were talking about Westbrook and his athleticism, and and realizing that that's kind of where this game is going with the Rose thing. I think the Wall line is like that's the exact same thing with him. Or yeah, yeah. we know we we'd like him to shoot it a little bit better, a lot better actually. But his athleticism, really the hoop, and he started developing that kind of you know drive, hard drive elbow jumper. And I you know I'm I, I feel like I don't I don't feel like the, this huge John Wall fan, but I I feel like it's worth pointing out like. People people talk about this guy like he sucks now. And it's just not fair. Is that does that am I am I right in that? Because I feel like he gets trashed regularly and I, I guess it's probably because of the contract, but um, <laughs> can so play.
0: Probably it's definitely because of yeah. his contract. Yeah. Two things on John Wall. In person, incredible. be just his speed. One of the fastest guys I've ever seen. We were talking about in a previous redraftable the athleticism of Westbrook and Rose and how stupendous it was to watch Wall's speed of just you know rebound outlet he's just off is among the fastest players i've ever seen in person i don't know who's number one but he's has to be in the conversation of four or five fastest guys i've seen oh, so fast that it almost seemed like it was too fast like like he he would have moments where he like literally couldn't control his speed he was going faster than you should go in a court and I think the, uh, the 2017 Wizards, that game, that, that great series against the Celtics, the Game 7, all that stuff. And he, he fell a little bit short. Bradley Beale ended up kind of being the guy. And if you were really watching that series closely, it was clear Beale was kind of the guy. And Wall was really good. But the, the fact that he couldn't shoot threes in a playoff series, in a round two, you could defend him as long as you cut him off before he got the head of steam and you actually put him in a half-court offense. I don't feel like he ever solved that piece fully as a basketball player. Yeah,
1: and that's a bad loss. It's not the magnitude of that playoff series isn't something that most people are just walking around like, hey, remember that Wizards series? But that's a bad series loss. They were a better team. They should have beat that Celtics team. Was that, was
0: that 18 or 17?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be 17. Yeah, I right? think it was. It's Isaiah seven. Thomas.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's a that's a bad and that that Wizards team started to bug me a little bit because they were always doing um like these tough guy press conferences and they dress for a funeral and they do all this stuff and you'd be like, All right, cool. Like you've won you guys, one playoff series, yeah, you guys down. ever gonna get to the third round or what? Yeah,
0: settle down. Um I enjoyed that team though, and, th- and those games were really fun, and Wall WoW was really fun to watch. That's
1: a great series. That's a sneaky great know, series, yeah.
0: I do think he had a hole in his game though. I think that the the way the Celtics defended him and especially in that game seven and it got to the point where you, you're kind of rooting for him to take the 24 footer. They were just giving it to him. They were playing way off him. They were like, dude, shoot away. We're giving it to you. And he didn't want to shoot it. Um, Even if you look at his career stats, like, you know, he's, he's like a 32% career three point shooter. So I, I think, when he comes back and, and figures out whatever this next incarnation of his career is going to be, I think he's going to have to shoot better uh, quickly. Everyone blew it on Paul George. That was another subject in there. And as you said, it was totally defensible. I think this is the problem with the redraftables is if he had gone eight, I think that would have seemed weird. You know, if like the Clippers had taken him be like, Whoa, taking Paul George eighth. Who?" But in retrospect, they should have. Um, OKC made a big... So OKC is in here. And they almost beat Dallas in the playoffs. And this, this is a draft where they have some assets. They had Mo Peterson's expiring contract. They had 21 and they had 26. And they trade up to New Orleans for Cole Aldrich. Everything is good on paper with that deal. You always want to trade up. You package packaged two worst picks for a better pick. Everything's great except the Cole Aldrich part. And then they took Eric Bledsoe later and traded the rights to him to the Clippers. So this was Sam Presti's first fuck-up draft. Was like I can't believe it.
1: Yeah, Bledsoe, that surprised me that he was he was around that long. Oh, um, yeah. He was too athletic. And that was, um, I think Olshay was still with the Clippers then. Yep. when they did that, and they were they were pumped. They were they were so pumped when they when they got him there because you know Kevin Seraphin, who I had some hope for. Luke Babbitt, my guy. I even did a full. You know, I did a full feature for ESPN.com on Luke Babbitt.
0: Was it about how bad he was defensively?
1: No, it was going to be oh. that he if he played it. I had a scout who was really big on him. He said if he played at UNC, he'd be like a top five pick. Oof. Yeah. Didn't, didn't quite work out uh epi udo who was like 37 at yeah, baylor and that was one of those those are the analytic guys that are like look history tells us you're this old you can't shoot and you're like a little undersized for your position um it doesn't really work out and it and it didn't work out for him almost immediately
0: <laughs> i think yeah i feel like that was one of the last years where guys like that went in the top 10 after 30 years of missing on guys like that i think the league finally realized like oh maybe don't take that guy sixth
1: <laughs> just- no it's, it's true because i yeah. you know like that's where the numbers guys were losing their minds with people to be like it's you know for all the things that we can debate right the thing that doesn't ever seem to be debatable is that when you're extra old coming in and there's already some problems like you don't just become this guy who's like awesome at 24 and, and you
0: have no offensive game. Like yeah, you're to right. develop a a low post game at age 28. Two other trades. Chicago traded the 17th pick to Washington with Kirk Heinrich in return for cap space because they thought they had a chance to get LeBron and Bosh. So that was a bummer. And then uh, there was a crazy Ryan Gomes, Luke Babbitt for Martell Webster trade between Minnesota and Portland <laughs> that... Uh, I feel like everybody lost that one. Um, From a comedy standpoint, the highlight of the draft was Mark Jones interviewing Wesley Johnson, asking him what his former Syracuse teammate, Johnny Flynn. Mark Jones says, what did Johnny tell you about Minnesota? And Wesley Johnson's answer was, I mean, he loved it. Minnesota won 17 games the year before and ran the triangle. And by all cuts, it was the unhappiest team ever. And it was in fucking Minnesota. Wesley Johnson's like, I mean, he loved it. I don't think he loved it, Wesley. I don't think that was his reaction.
1: (laughs) On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time.
0: Stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
1: Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
0: What uh? What pick do you want? One or two?
1: Um, I'll take one.
0: All right. Let's. I'm gonna start us off. The 2010 NBA Redraftables. Ryan Rossillo is on the clock with our first pick.
1: Well, it's Paul George? And there's no debate. Um, right? Any follow up
0: thoughts on Paul George?
1: <laughs> you wanted me to add a little more depth to this? Yeah. A little, uh,
0: little, little, little uh, give him a little sugar.
1: No, that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, first year in the league, eight points a game. You know, they didn't play him a lot. He missed some games as well. Um, we had talked about this team, too, because I think that was still a Granger year, right? When we, when Granger was redraft? really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah Granger so was really good. It was kind of this weird deal where you weren't quite sure what you had. And so for him, like his improvement, it's a little Kawhi-esque in that you don't really have guys that do this. Like, oh, okay, yep. maybe he's going to be a nice little role player. Oh, okay, wow, he's going to get 20 a game. Okay, he might be and at the peak of Paul George, he was in the argument as like the second best player in the league. And that may have been off um it's easy to sound like all this stuff is, you know, oh that's ridiculous, he was never that good. He's taken some dings too because you feel like you know if it's a final possession in a big playoff spot, do you expect that shot to go down for Paul George right now? Like I feel like there's been more instances of like him maybe not entirely getting it. And then the fact that you know, he doesn't go to LA. He goes to Oklahoma City, tells everybody he loves Oklahoma City, and then he forces his way out of there a year later and he ends up with the Clippers. And who knows, he still may win a title throughout all of this. But that arc does not happen a lot.
0: And it was the case for the Celtics not trading Jalen Brown, because if you thought Jalen had a chance to be as good as Paul George, he matched up statistically every checkpoint Paul George hit those first couple of years. I'm going back to when he was a rookie though, when he was eight points a game. I remember going to a Quipper game. I think it was his rookie year. It was one one of his first two years. It was a, whatever the first time I saw him in person. And he's one of those guys where, you know, on TV, people look one way. But in person, you go, oh, man, I didn't Huge. know.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, he's like, he seems like he's a legit 6'9". He's got long arms. He's he, he He's upright and just seems like a like a specimen. Like if you just landed from another country and you were just picking out who who are the best players in this game, you would have picked him. And he was like 20 at that point. But you could see it. And then I remember the 2012 playoffs when they really threw him in the fire against that Miami team during Miami's first title year. Athletically, he could hang with Wade and LeBron. And he had no idea what he was doing yet. And so at some point in those first two years, it became clear everybody had made a massive mistake. But, you know, you look at his his career. He he made a first team All NBA in 2019, during a season that had LeBron, Kawhi in Toronto, and uh, Kevin Durant in Golden State, who was really good that year. Um, so really impressive. And then he also made four third team All NBAs. So last five years, twenty four seven and four. And I, I think the big thing we have to mention is just the what if with the broken leg, because he basically. He loses a whole year and he's not quite the same the year that he comes back and just what his stats would look like and things like that. So um, I mean he you could argue
1: Bill, he he came in that first year, like he doesn't rebound. Again, it's only twenty one minutes a game. He's not really even shooting. He's just under thirty percent from three. The next year he comes back, they're still not even playing him thirty minutes a game in his second year in the shortened season. And he's at three eighty five from three, and then he starts rebounding like crazy. And right um you know then he he look he i don't think he's your one i don't think he could ever be your one like physically he has the game of the one he has the skills of the one all of those things i think there's something that's a little short there as far as you being the guy that's going to really be an alpha in a big moment i don't know that he has that and he's shown more times than
0: i don't think he's he's a good enough playmaker i I think he's an incredible athlete and an incredible all-around player. I, I think if you're going to say, what's this guy missing? There's that one last time. I'm talking like super duper stars. There's that one last yeah, piece right. of, Could you run the offense through him in a game seven? I, I don't think so.
1: No, I mean, you I, could.
0: I don't know if you'd win.
1: No, and it's not, this is just, as you said, I'm glad you said it that way because you know, when you start talking about who are the four or five best in the world, like the, the things we're going to start grading you a little harder on are going to seem like pretty hard. But he has a little bosh in him. Where in a big playoff moment, I could, I could forget. You know, like, oh, that's uh, Paul George. Like, has gone six, seven possessions here, and nothing's really happened. On the and, other
0: hand, he's at the point of his career where he could have completely changed your mind on that in these playoffs, and still might. And when we go to the Orlando bubble, like, who knows? He might have his moment. I, I still think he's young enough to uh, change that. Awesome defensive player. Um, I don't feel like he's quite at the Kawhi, Scottie Pippen, Igudala level, but I think he's a notch below. I think, he, I think he's right underneath those guys for guys I've seen perimeter guys defensively. So he's a worthy number
1: one pick. I do like that you were like any follow-up.
0: <laughs> but you're just like Paul George, I'm out. Meanwhile, David Stern's <laughs> sitting there waiting for the handshake. All right, I'm on the clock number two. Obviously, I'm taking DeMarc. No, I'm kidding. Um you know i I think John Wall has to be the second pick. I was all prepared to get crazy and take Gordon Hayward, but I think the fact that John Wall hit a point where he was a meaningful point guard on a team that almost made the conference finals, and you know, I don't think it's his fault that that Washington he walks into that Washington situation. it's post arenas Crittenden, Andre Blatch. Fool, just a complete mess.
1: Javale McGee, Jordan Crawford,
0: all those dudes, and then you know, as House pointed out when we um, when we were talking about Washington and a couple podcasts ago, like it was a team that always thought they were one move away from winning the title and was giving away number one picks for guys that didn't really matter, and it was always a speed rush microwave kind of game plan for how to put together a team. They really lucked out with the Bradley Beal pick in 2012, and you just think like. All right, freeze the roster right there, 2012. We have John Wall and we have Bradley Beal. This is easy. Just don't fuck this up. Like that, don't don't try to make this all, and that's what they did for the next five, six years. And uh I can't blame him for that. I can't blame him for his knee injury, whether that would have happened or not. Who knows? But um, you know, he's career 19 and nine, four rebounds a game. The percentages. Aren't awesome, but they won a couple of playoff series with him. And I do think, for eye test wise, going to see him in person, I thought he was really good. I I would just rather have him than Hayward is what it came down for, Uh, for me.
1: Yeah, I've, I've done all my wall stuff, Um, and I I actually still hold out hope that he's going to be able to have some second part of his career here where he's still young enough after this kind of injury, and he's not too big, you know, that he'll. Be able to figure out something here. I mean, what are we yep. talking? He's twenty nine. He'll be thirty in September. So tough um, knee
0: injury, though. I mean, it definitely was. I thought it was the
1: Achilles. No,
0: I mean, I'm sorry, Achilles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also had a knee injury too. He had didn't he have yeah, microfracture right. surgery?
1: Both. Uh, I don't know. I knew there was another significant knee injury. I don't my microfracture update. I don't have my my catalogs up to date on that.
0: In the playoffs, I think this says it all, 22 and 10 in the playoffs. And he's played, you know, six playoff series at this point. Percentages, 42, 27, 82. It's a 27% three-point shooter in the playoffs. And you could feel it in big games. And I just hate when one of my two best players has a weakness that the other team can craft a whole defense around and that was the case with john wall if you could slow the wizards down when they're going really well and make him a half-court point guard he couldn't totally figure it out sometimes he did make a third-team mile nba so i i think he's certainly wasn't a bust i think he's had some good moments and i'm like you i'm not ready to give up on him who are you taking
1: third i'm gonna go with hayward then he was so yeah. good towards the end there in utah uh, yeah. his career has been completely derailed here and he did look like he was finally figuring out certain times this year. And then I thought it actually got worse again at times. Me too. Um, all over the place. But, you know, as we're doing these redraftables with these classes, again, it can seem crazy that it's 10 years ago, but not I I don't, I'm not ready to give up on Gordon Hayward being a productive basketball player in the league either. And once he showed that playmaking where they were running the offense through him in Utah, where he was making the decisions, he was putting up good assist numbers and he could shoot it. And I mean, the thing that sucks too is he played all the time like he just misses his handful of games but i mean he had one year right. where he was 16 16 5 and 5 and he's shooting well that year was weird he had like 40 percent years from three and they'll have like a couple bad years it's actually a little bit like we were talking about with him in college but um well his he, last
0: three utah years he was 25 and 4 45 37 83 percentages so that's good i mean you take that, he, I always thought he was a really smart defender. I don't think he was like an amazing defender, but we even watched him on the Celtics. He's one of those guys who knows where to go, what to do. Seems like he's fun to play with, um, unselfish. And the ankle thing, you know, we talked about it earlier, the what-ifs of this draft with the Paul George team getting hurt, John Wall getting hurt, Cousins when he got hurt. And then that Hayward injury, is just the timing of it's unbelievable. It's because... There's a whole bunch of repercussions from it, including like, does that change the arc of what happens with Kyrie in Boston? Is that Celtics team awesome that season? And is Kyrie happy? Or was Kyrie destined to do whatever he was going to do anyway? But Yeah, I think he was going to gonna
1: do whatever he was going to do.
0: Well, maybe. But to lose Hayward after, what was it, an hour?
1: Not even. No. It's kind it's, of
0: unbelievable. When, yeah. when has that ever happened before? It him in an hour. He's a max contract.
1: Yeah, anyway. and, like I, I think there's just always these these anti-age people that are out there, but you just go, everybody would have signed Gordon Hayward, okay? Everybody would have signed Gordon Hayward. He's 22 a game, he could shoot, get your boards, get your assists, and he was 26 years old. Like, I don't want to hear about it. And so I would rather have his stability than say, you know, some of the other guys that we're going to pick from here. DeMarcus Cousins is a more talented player, but I'll take Hayward and not being somebody who can maybe sabotage my entire team.
0: Well, DeMarcus is not falling further than four, just for the integrity of this draft. I'm taking him fourth. You, you told me not to mention the numbers. I'm going to mention the numbers. From 2014 to 2017, four-year stretch, he averaged 25 and 12. He made two second-team All-NBAs. And I do think him and Davis in 2018, that was really happening. That was a really fun team to watch. I loved watching them together. And I really felt like Cousins was starting to figure it out as as nutty as he's been over the course of his career. Him and Davis together were figuring it out in a real way. With Drew Holiday, that like that team was something. And uh, so that makes me think, all right, this violates a lot of my rules for the redraftables. But at least I saw for four months there that this guy could be a productive player on a good team. So I'm taking him.
1: Yeah, and maybe, um, maybe if he's not the guy that he was in Sacramento earlier on, then he can have a nice little second half. You worry with the Achilles, somebody this big, and then he hurts himself again after the Achilles because that's what happens. But the guy that got 25 and 10 or whatever in Sacramento, but then if he didn't get a call, spent the next five possessions distracted within the game, not paying attention to anything that was going on, then he'd elbow somebody. And not running back. He, he wouldn't get back on defense, or he wouldn't. If he didn't get the ball off a screen, he would pout for five possessions. And then as soon as he got the ball back again, he'd just take a bad shot to take the shot. Like that doesn't show up as much in the box score, but that's why, it, like, I'm not telling you that Sacramento team was loaded and he necessarily, uh, you know, we get that that was not a good basketball team, but I really, I will argue with anyone, anyone that wants to listen, because I think there are people that have have never really, Uh, that have been pro to Marcus Cousins that just haven't, haven't really been honest with themselves about some of the stuff that he does that screws up your team.
0: Well, it's a good one because as the years pass and your basketball reference page becomes your legacy for people who didn't, who weren't there when you played, because we're seeing that happen with guys from my generation your generation too, where you can make a case now that Carl Malone was one of the 10 best players of all time. Wow. Look at his basketball reference page. And, and, as everybody gets older, who can't be like, hold on a second. I was there. This is how it actually happened. And with Cousins, there's somebody 30 years from now, be like, hey, you know who was one of the best three centers of the 2010s? The Marcus Cousins. And they'll lay out a statistical case for it. And uh, and it won't be a good one. I'll just (laughs) say that one. I mean, when you're a center and you're only shooting 46%, but you're allegedly this awesome post-up player. Like, go look at the post-up stats of everyone from the 80s and 90s who, you know, even something like Ewing, for him to shoot 46% in a year would have been a complete disaster for him. So, um, you know, I I think, though, I wanted to play this game with you because I do think he went to one of the worst possible teams for him. Best team Demarcus could have gone to, not counting Washington because they were taking John Wall either way. So let's say Philly takes him at number two. You're putting him with Drew Holiday, Lou Williams, Iguodala, Elton Brand, Little Spencer Hawes, plus Doug Collins coming in. Does Doug Collins and Demarcus they fight to the death?
1: What to the death, to the death. Somebody, you know Doug.
0: Somebody dies. Yeah. Okay. That's the most fun situation. Number. Three was the Nets, so New Jersey, before they got to Brooklyn. They had nobody. I think that would have been just as bad as Sacramento. Minnesota, him and Kevin Love together. There's so many ways that could have gone wrong. There's a couple ways it could have gone right. Um, Golden State, he could end up with Curry and, uh, and Clay a year later, potentially. And then after that, it gets silly, like Detroit, the Clippers, stuff like that. It the Thinking of DeMarcus in Philly is delightful to me. I wish that had happened. I really would have liked that. I think the fans either would have embraced him or turned on him in a way that was almost unprecedented.
1: See, I think they would have liked him. I think they would have, would have liked him because, well, I don't know. It's a, smart, it's a smart basketball town. I mean, Sacramento defended him to, like, you know, and, and him losing his coach. I mean, I've read that piece so many times. Like, wow, you know, he was never told about Coach Moore not being there. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's. that's so then he gets big for seven years. Right. Yeah. He could just, hey, I was, I was giving a heads up. So.
0: I'm, um, I'm more pro boogie than you are, but yes. I think he got away with a lot of stuff too. I just think you put a guy like that who could go either way and you put him on the worst organization in the league, um, on bad teams with guys like Tyreek Evans and whoever else. And it's like, it's just, you're, it's not going to work. There's no way. And maybe and you, you, with the
1: Garnett, you're right. Maybe, maybe that would have been amazing to have somebody like that. Like I would have paid Garnett 5 million a year if I were Sacramento at the end of his career, just to be like, can you come in here and, and yell at cousins? Hmm. All right. Now we're at number five and
0: a uh, little bit of a drop-off from this point on. And then there's another drop-off that's honestly like the, the, the floor caves and you just go crashing into the basement. But this is the first drop-off. Who do you have at Five.
1: It really was Bledsoe or Favors. And I think I'm going to go Bledsoe. And mm, that's, that's where I had of the him high,
0: too.
1: The high end scoring. Like you can look at Favors and go, hey, you know, that's not that bad. Like look at it all. It's not that bad. I just wanted it to be better. So maybe that's getting in the way of all of this. But really between the two, late possession type of thing, Favors probably wouldn't even be in the play. And Bledsoe has a chance of getting you the bucket, even though, you know, look, I'm not putting Bledsoe in the top 10 of point guards in the league. But, um, it's just a, it was, I, I kind of went back and forth on it, but I felt like, you know what, Bledsoe just gives me more scoring.
0: In the draft, in the moment, the Celtics had the 19th pick and heading into the 18th pick, Bledsoe and Avery Bradley were on the board. And I remember being excited because all these teams fucked up in front of that spot, right? Like um, we went, it, like Serafin was the 17th pick to Chicago. Bledsoe you just knew it. The wor- worst case scenario is going to be a really good athlete who could be your third guard. And then Bradley right. was Bradley the year earlier was the number one high school recruit and had gone to Texas and he hadn't had a great year and people just, it was the classic people just fell off him. And I think that's been one of Ainge's secret scouting tricks. He likes the pedigree of those McDonald all American guys sometimes and, and sometimes too much. But, um, I, I got to watch Bledsoe those first couple of years with the Clippers and it was clear that he was something, you know, and, and athletically he, he was a little bit too heat checky and like co- overconfident in his own offensive abilities to run a team. And I think that's manifested itself in some bad ways with Milwaukee last season. But, um, but the talent was there. It was undeniable. Like he was really athletically gifted and seemed like he gave a shit and played hard and was in a frustrating spot, like. Backing up Chris Paul. Like who who's a worse person to back up than Chris Paul? You're only gonna play twelve minutes a game? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) baby. You play you're playing 12 minutes a game. If you're playing with him, he's yelling at you. Like that, not ideal. And I think it it hit a point where he had to find his own team. And then finally they traded him to Phoenix and his career took off. I was not surprised. I think that's the right pick. Okay. Number six. I had I had Bledsoe at five, so he took him. I had favors at six just because I know what he is and by all accounts, great teammate. I think if you do his career over again, he's an 11, seven for his career. I think if you do it over again, it probably turns out differently. He just, you know, he ends up, gets taken by the nets. That's terrible. Gets traded to Utah. Um, uh, he's in the Darren Williams trade. He's playing with Al Jefferson. They're kind of remaking what that team is. and. It was like they never totally figured him out. But he was one of those guys that I always kept waiting. Didn't you always keep waiting for it to happen with him?
1: Oh, was, my God, dude. Like, are you kidding? Like, I, if I have a, a, a biography written about me, it'll be like he always hoped for more from Derek Favors. <laughs> like, I I loved him so much at Georgia Tech because it just I thought he was going to be this physically imposing, like high twitch big guy. You know, I'm not saying he was going to be LeBron. But I thought the way he was end to end, And I then thought he just kind didn't of turned,
0: you think didn't you think like Antonio McDice, like that maybe not like
1: like peak athlete, but yeah, more along those something lines. Something like where that. This guy right? could really take over a game. And I judge him. I judge him based on thinking that he was always supposed to be a little bit more. And then finally, with him, I had to be like, all right, dude, it's not happening. You know, baseline jumpers gonna get you some boards, and that's about it. So. In
0: 15 and 16, those two years, he averaged 16 and eight, 52% shooting. Um, you know, the league moved against him a little bit. Yeah. I think he's the guy that made a lot more sense 20 years ago than maybe. Totally. Uh,
1: the he he looks like an second. 80s power forward, doesn't he? Yeah. And then
0: in 17 and 18, they make the second round both years. He's placed 20.5 minutes a game the first year, 26 the second year. But one of those guys I I think we all liked him and he had a great name. Derek Favors just sounds like he should be awesome. <laughs> there was a high school pedigree with him. And I don't I I haven't given up on him yet. Like if he averages oh, 25 no, give up and 12, on oh no, give up. it's no, over? No, it's over. If he averages 25 12 next year, I'm like, I fucking told you Derek Favors. Now, I I don't I'm with you. I think he is what he is now. He is like the the smart forward off the bench who can guard two positions and play 20 minutes a game for you.
1: I wanted more. You're on the clock at seven. There's analytics guys here that, uh, will tell you some of my next picks are coming up that are going to be wrong, but I don't care. I, I don't care what the say in some of these, because I'm just going with a guy as far as having in my rotation. Now at pick seven, I'm going to take Avery Bradley.
0: Hmm. I also had him at number seven.
1: Are you serious? Yeah. This is funny. Yeah. Well, I, here's the thing.
0: Think... Incredible defensive player for, you know, five, six years there. I I thought he was a destructive player that, you know, he I always thought he was a guy that he's a shooting guard on on uh offense, but on defense, you want him guarding the other team's point guard. So if you could find, you know, a point forward or a two-guard who's really a playmaker on the offensive end and and have the kind of play off that guy he could be really valuable what he wasn't was a point guard he could barely dribble
1: that's what people don't seem to remember or they just haven't watched enough of him do you remember that Knicks series where he was trying to bring the ball up like the Celtics are trying to have him play point guard yeah and it was it was like whoa this guy kind of can't dribble like there's different kinds of dribbling you can dribble on your way to getting a bucket okay fine but like can you actually in the face of pressure like navigate through everybody and some guys get exposed a little bit with that and it's also a little scary that at the beginning, it's like, okay, this guy, this isn't some amazing draft pick by Ainge in that this this is somebody who shouldn't have fallen this far because it took a little while, but he has moments Um, and and yeah, the the fact that you can probably play him in different positions defensively and you know, whatever, I I, I don't, he wasn't great in Boston. I think you'd be the first to admit that. I think people in Boston held out hope for him quite a bit. He's had some moments with the Lakers here. This year, uh, can I can when, I shout
0: out his 2017 season really fast, please? 16 and six, six rebounds, 39 percent from three, five threes a game. Um, really good defense, and played really nicely with Isaiah Thomas, where he basically had to guard the best guard on the other team every game, and Isaiah they would try to hide him on whoever, but. I like that backcourt together. I, I don't think it was sustainable. It wasn't a championship backcourt, but Avery Bradley was good. He he played in some playoff games over the years, and I liked having him out there. I was never one of those guys where you're like, oh, man, Avery Bradley's out there. Like, I actually kind of believed him, and I, I think, you know, he decided not to play in the bubble. I think he really could have helped the, uh, the Lakers. Yeah, that's a cer- loss. In certain yeah. situations, right? Totally. Not like yeah. every series, but they're, There were moments in over four rounds where you needed him. In 2017, 18 playoff games, and he was 17 a game playing 36 minutes a game for a team that, you know, made the conference finals. So uh, you could argue he should have gone sixth. All right, I'm on the clock at eight. The wheels have come off again. The wheels have come off to the point that I'm taking Greg Monroe.
1: Whoa, and you hate Greg Monroe.
0: Yeah, I don't even really like him. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: Great in the '80s, would have been great.
0: Yeah, and I always, I always thought he was a good passer. He is. I, li- I liked his offensive passer. game, and and I liked when they would put him at the top of the key and and run people off picks and stuff. Yeah, here's, he's
1: really. Here's good. the thing with
0: him: from 2012 to 16, he averaged 16 and 10. So I would rather have that than anybody we're about to pick. I do think there was a time and a place for him. I think as the league got smaller and smaller and he did not have the ability to just punish people anymore and things like that, he became unplayable. But at least for those five years, he was something. So that's better for me than anyone else in this draft. Who are you taking at nine?
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to take Ed Davis.
0: Oh, wow. We really fell off. What's your case for Ed Davis? Just out of curiosity. I don't know that I
1: have one. It's not scoring. Uh, His rebounding numbers have always been pretty good. It feels like everywhere he goes, everyone's excited that they have him. But then they kind of forget that no one ever wants to keep him. I mean, he's never on a team. Well, he had a couple years there in Portland. Um, Oh, he's a classic Portland guy where the fans
0: were all making it seem like he was better than he was. They've done that to about 20 players over the last 25 years.
1: Yeah, I wanted role player. I didn't want. I, I want role player that I know can fit in. I mean, I'm at the the stage the stage of my scouting here where I'm trying to find out if somebody's like an only child or where they buy their jeans, but you know, I'm just making sure that we have everybody on the same page. Strong pick. I am going completely off the grid with
0: the tenth pick, taking a guy who was not drafted.
1: Pop a, C, a oh, guy. Wait, he was drafted. He was drafted.
0: A guy who caused a riot in 2012 for about four weeks. A guy by the name of Jeremy Lynn.
1: Good pick. Good Thank pick. Thank
0: you. Thanks. Yeah, Thank I like you. this a lot. That's good. Thank you. I, I, he was good enough to get signed to a $25 million deal by Houston. They, in the playoff series, you know, everybody thinks Jeremy Lynn it, it began and end with Lynn's Sanity and then he gets hurt and it's over. He actually had a really good first year with Houston where they made the play. They lost that series to Portland to uh, Dame Lillard. Remember? Yep. Dame Lillard, the the three when Parsons didn't follow him over in time, but Lynn's playing in crunch time in that game. It was on recently and I was watching and they ran, you know, Harden was doing his usual terrible shots down the stretch, but Lynn had a big play at one point and he was out there. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think he got hurt a couple times. He had some bad luck, but, uh, as, a scoring point guard off the bench. Um, I can't resist him. Plus, he means a lot to a few of my friends. So there you go. Who do you have at number 11? Uh, we're, we're, I should tell the audience, we're officially in Hassan Whiteside range. I'm not saying he's going, but... I'm not taking him. It's We're at the point where people in the draft room are kind of passing his stats around.
1: They are, because there's analytics that that like him and some of his total numbers are good. I just if people are benching you at the end of close games, that tells yeah. me something. That's just yeah. that's me, you know. I'm I'm difficult that way. When when your coach doesn't want you out there at the end of close games. Evan Turner has he has some terrible analytics. Like he's he's in the 20s for some of these. And I actually think you have to take Evan just on talent alone at this point i probably should have taken him ahead of ed davis um if you've watched enough evan turner you know exactly who he is but he's still too talented and still had moments of production where he can't go undrafted and a redraftable here he has to be drafted so therefore i take him at number what's it 11
0: one of the great college basketball stat seasons he was awesome that Ohio State year. So it's funny that the advanced metrics decided not to like him eventually. I thought Stevens unlocked him in Boston, my hero, Brad Stevens. The way he used him as like a point forward, whatever the fuck he was, and had guards running off. And I thought he was effective. Like, I think you're totally right. Could he be in a rotation on a really good team? Absolutely, fucking yeah. yes. Right. And that was the right pick for that spot. So... Do you know what team he's on right now? He got traded and then traded again. Is he on Sacramento?
1: Close. He's on the Sacramento, of the East Atlanta.
0: Oh, there you go. So Whiteside probably should be the next pick, but I know I can get him with the 14th pick because I know you're (laughs) not going to take him. So I'm going to take a guy I've always enjoyed who seems to keep getting paid and who mailed in the last two years about as egregiously as anyone I can remember, Patrick Patterson.
1: He has career, to go. He he's in my top fourteen. This is right around the range we had him here over at uh, HQ. So good pick. Thirty-seven percent career
0: three-point shooter. Just for the record, could he be? It, it, the model for him was always Big Shot Rob, right? It's like, oh yeah, he could be the Bob Horry of this team, and it it except for the talent, it, everything else was in place. Um, and you know, could a stretch forward could make some threes and potentially
1: guard people on the other end. That's that's what you got with uh Patrick Patterson. So there you go. He has to go draft he like there's no way you can do these 14 without him being drafted. So I, I agree with you. Um but, you're up at yeah, 13.
0: I, okay. By he, the way, this might be the grizzlyest it's gotten in any redraftables for like the last six guys. If we stopped at twelve,
1: I wasn't gonna get mad. <laughs> if we we could have stopped at eight <laughs> I was half expecting you to go. Hey do you want to just stop? Do you want to watch any shows? Shout out to uh, Hightown on Stars. Watch oh, yeah, you like episode. Hightown. Set, I'm into P-town. it. P-Town. Yeah, yeah P-Town. It is funny, though, any mass-based show, the ruling on who says what, like who's allowed to try to speak with the accent. And it's, it's just it's one of my favorite things with any mass show. It's like who thinks they're killing it, who's actually good at it, who just said I'm not even going to bother. Right. But um, it's, it's always funny. But, yeah, P-Town. We used to play P-Town in high school. Yeah, that was a, that was a long road trip for the vineyard for the. Yeah, for the seriously, white that's purple. like an hour hour. It's longer than that because yeah, Woods Hole is all the way at the bottom. Inland oh, yeah, almost. yeah. Like two hours. And so you it's going all the way up and around. All right. I'll watch Beach. first game. I, Yeah, yeah. Check it out. I heard it wasn't a feel good show, so I stayed away, but I'll, I'll check it out. It isn't, but it's it's a lot of the same beats, you know, for any kind of drama with crime. But they I'm I'm really into how they've done it so far. Like they've they've added newer elements to it enough along with the storylines that make me go, all right, cool. Like I think we have something different on here. All right. Uh 13th pick. You're on the clock. I'll go Al Farouk Amino just based on the point oh, no.
0: alone. Why? Because I was gonna take him and just not take Whiteside. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so old Al Farouk, he uh a lot of size. He was another big-time high school guy, and that's when Wake ended up with all those dudes over that, that very short amount of time. It was like, remember when Wake Forest landed everybody there in a very short amount of time? Uh, he didn't do much scoring, but then when he got to Portland, he still was young, too. He was 20 when he came into the league, and then you're worried that he's, he's on his 15 by 25. Well, you know, uh, he, he, started, shoot, he, go he ahead. started
0: on the Clippers, yeah, and he was an immediate write-off. He was one of those guys you watch twice and you're like, Oh, he's a bust. He'll never be yep. good. And I, I was really surprised when he kind of remodeled his game in Portland and became a three and D guy, you know, not the best version of a three and D guy. Certainly not an awesome three point shooter, but at least
1: he made was enough threes makings. though. Yeah. He was perfect for kind of what they were doing. Cause they, they had all totally. those different guys. So he actually made sense there. And those three years are probably the only reason why, cause, um, he didn't do anything with Orlando this year. He didn't play. I mean, he played like eighteen games.
0: Because the Clippers also took that guy. I can't remember what year the Russian guy that Dunleavy loved, two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Yeah. Kor- Korosev, Korolev, yeah. whatever that guy's yeah, yeah, name was. Yeah, yeah. He was another one where you watched him for five minutes. You're like, oh, he sucks. He'll never be good. Like you knew immediately. And I felt that way about uh, uh, Al Farouk I, th- I thought there was no chance, but it turned out there was a chance. All right, I have the last pick. Pick 14. Here's who's on my board. Hassan Whiteside. Jordan Crawford. King of the heat check. Boban. Get some Boban out of this. Um, Quincy Pondexter, who I've never really totally given up on. Grievous Vasquez. And the Larry Sanders show. Larry Sanders. Take Larry Sanders. You get like one and a half incredible years. Where it's like, wow, look at this guy! He's leading the league in blocks. He's so he's so great. I love Larry Sanders. What is? Hold on, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna I might end up taking Larry Sanders for all we know. Larry Sanders. What about
1: Magnum Roll? <laughs> what team was he on? He was uh, from
0: Louisiana Tech.
1: Yeah,
0: hey, Larry Sanders, 2.8 blocks a game in in 2013. I'm going to take Whiteside. I don't feel good about it, but he's 14 and 12. Could I play him, throw him in a game for 15 minutes and have him bump into dudes? It's either him or Boban for me. Boban is just the fact that he couldn't get off the bench for the Sixers last year when everybody made a big stand. Oh, Don't count out Boban. You might, you might see him. There. And then it was the actual playoff game and They were like, yeah, you're going to be over there. You're not playing. <laughs> uh, Whiteside at least can rebound and potentially block a shot and well, he'll
1: block shots. He's just not playing any defense. And I know that sometimes is a hard sentence for people to process, but he true. only cares about blocking shots. He doesn't care about what he's that's, supposed to be. That's doing why I defense. said he might block a shot for me. His yeah. guy also might go by him
0: seven times in a row for layups, but he might block a couple shots for me. I It's the least inspired I've ever been to take a pick in a redraftables, but I'm taking him. Hassan Whiteside, 14th pick. This draft was bad. It, bad. This draft actually made me feel bad about doing the redraftables again. I've, 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 I'm soured.
1: Honestly, in the show note, I was shocked we were doing it. <laughs> well, was, like... it fit in the summer 2010 theme. <laughs> and and what the fuck else are we going to talk about? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not criticizing any of us in the content game right now. I'm trying to figure these things out. But it was, I was like, oh, we're going to do 10. All right, that's cool. We'll do it. It's rough. Certainly not a lot of, uh, well, at least the Ken Newton thing happened. Yeah, the camp thing is big news. You guys yeah. are excited. Ben yeah. Simmons is going to get a new jersey.
0: Got a lot of texts. Yeah. There you go. Uh, all right, Rosillo, you got at least one podcast this week
1: coming? Yeah, we're going to do uh, some NFL stuff. Um, I don't want to say what we're doing yet, but um, Dan Heron was great, though. Yeah. I want to check out Dan Heron, um, who you know works with the Arizona Diamondbacks now, pitching the bigs like 13 years. He was good. Um, and he's funny, too, talking about drilling guys. I like that guy.
0: All right, cool. Uh, Have a good week. See you next time.
1: Thanks for listening
0: to the Book of Basketball podcast. Stay tuned for more shows on this feed.